0: beautiful to, good to be reminded he is the love of God and what God invites us into. And I'm Pastor Dave Mitchell and welcome you as well to our ministry of worship as we celebrate through song and through testimony of God's word as well as through the scriptures. And that's why I have in my hand this outline that you're going to find extremely helpful, much more profitable. Your time will be invested here as we spend this time together. We're in a series we call the Chronicles of the Kings. And it's a story of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament days where God began with the King Saul, King David, King Solomon, and then as a result of Solomon's sin and failure to follow the, the word of God, the kingdom was split between Israel in the north and Judah, as we call it, in the south. And then there is a succession of kings that occurred both in the north and the south. And we want to be learning from them. And this morning what we're going to learn about is passing on our faith. I know that I was blessed by growing up in a home, a Christian home, that uh, valued Jesus Christ and the salvation message that he had and tried to give to my sister and I a solid foundation of spiritual uh, commitment. And uh, early on in my life, made that commitment to Christ as well. And uh, there are a number of you who grew up in Christian homes as well. And it was a foundation laid that's beautiful. I also recognize, especially through the prayers request that you, many of you, put on those cards that we receive each week. And we as elders pray over those cards every week, as do the staff. And I recognize that many of you are burdened and concerned and prayerful over the fact that the investment of your efforts to help your children or grandchildren, nieces or nephews, to be part of what they grew up with, and yet they have wandered away. And there is no heartfelt commitment. There is no allegiance to follow Jesus Christ. There is not a biblical framework of thinking that they are experiencing today. And our hearts go out for you. And so whether you have this spiritual foundation that is being passed on or for those who have not quite secured it yet in their spiritual lives, this is the time that we want to talk about some of those things and give you some insight that comes from God's Word. As we look at the Old Testament, sometimes people get the sense that the Old Testament is just a bunch of boring history and a bunch of difficult names that we can't pronounce and a place that I've never been that I don't quite understand. And so I wanted to show you why. Let me remind you of something I shared a couple of weeks ago. I love this verse that Paul the Apostle wrote to the Romans who lived in Rome. And he said about the Old Testament, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So, here's the reason. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. When we look at the Old Testament, it's not just sort of fuzzy facts that I can't put together, and it's just not a bunch of stories and fables that really have no relevance for me today. The reason God gave us the Old Testament is so that it could be part of our instruction. So that as we go through it, we can draw from it commitment to principles and concepts of who God is and what God desires from us. And so i like to do that this morning. And this passage lends itself nicely to show how Romans 15, 4 allows us to be instructed. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But here's the graph. Here's the chart. Here's where we are journeying together. And you see we're about a third way through the kings of the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at a king by the name of Joash give you more information about him and here shows the two divided kingdoms of those days the northern 10 tribes were called Israel the two southern tribes Judah and Benjamin were called Judah because Benjamin was relatively small so when you see the nation of Israel mentioned now in the old testament in the period in which we are at you always see it as Israel but that does not include Judah that does not include Jerusalem and then there are kings of Israel then there are kings of Judah And this morning we're going to be talking about the kings of Judah in the southern part. And that would mean that they are there in the city of Jerusalem, and that is where they are residing. Now, it's a little difficult, and I have to keep on reminding myself of the names and the people, the characters of the plot. This is an amazing story that we're going to go into today. So let me give you two times through it. First time, by vehicle of a chart. Because you won't get all these names. And I put some of these details on the back side of the outline that we call the digging deeper. Because I want you to be not only uh, learning how to live a Christ-like life, but I'd like for you to be literate people. I'd like for all of us to be literate as to who and what happened in God's Word in the Old Testament days. So, here's a little bit of background. Going back in time at about mid-800 B.C., We have a fellow by the name of King Jehoram, and thus the crown on his head. King Jehoram had at least one wife, and her name was Athaliah. Athaliah. I'll get the names wrong, so just be (laughs) gracious. Athaliah. So King and Athaliah are married. They have children. King Jehoram and Athaliah. His queen, have two children at least, and by the sake of the story, these are the two we're going to focus on. And one was Ahaziah, and the daughter was Jehoshiba, I should say. So we got these two, and you're going to be hearing about them. So as they lived their lives, they then had offspring as well. And so we have grandchildren that enter into the story. This becomes critical, so hang in there with me. And so, Athaliah has, or has, Ahaziah has a child by the name of Joash. He's the one we're going to see become king eventually. And then Jehoshia, Jehoshia, Jehoshabe, Je, Jehosheba, Jehosheba. <laughs> see, I just want to make you to feel better because you won't <laughs> be able to say him either. Jehosheba marries a fellow by the name of Jehoiada. Jehoiada is the high priest. So Jehoshiba marries Jehoiada. They have children as well. One of their children will be mentioned in the text. His name is Zechariah, and he was a saintly guy as well. Now here is where it begins to get interesting. King Jehoram dies. We read about King Jehoram's death, and it's interesting how God allows people to die. Um, Fortunately, God is not doing some of these things that he did in those days. But let me read a little bit about his life his end of life. And it begins in, in second Chronicles 21 is where we're going to be. second Chronicles 21 through 24 if you want to read in your own Bible. But in those days, the, it says in, in verse 12, a letter came to him, King Jehoram, from Elijah. See, Elijah and Elisha become the prominent prophets in those days, saying, Thus says the Lord God of your father David, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat. We looked at Jehoshaphat a few weeks ago. Because you have not walked in his ways, your fathers are the ways of Asa, king of Judah, who was also a good king, but have walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, the ten northern tribes, the kings of Israel were all wicked, and have caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot as the house of Ahab played the harlot. And you have also killed your, and here's the thing, you've killed your brothers, your family, they're better than you. So in those days, murder was like widespread. It was like if you had lived beyond, you know, 40 or 50, it was an amazing thing because people are getting killed left and right. And behold, the Lord is going to strike your people, your sons, your wives, and all your possessions with a great calamity, and you will suffer severe sickness, a disease of your bowels, until your bowels come out because of the sickness day by day. Wouldn't you love to hear the Lord give you that message and then the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabs who bordered the Ethiopians and they came against Judah and invaded it and carried away all the possessions found in the king's house together with his sons and his wives so that no son was left to him except Jehoahaz the youngest of his sons. So after all this the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable sickness. Now, it came about in the course of time at the end of the two years that his bowels came out because of his sickness, and he died in great pain, and his people made no fire for him like the fires of his father, and he was disregarded. That's King Jehoram. Why does God give us such detail? Because God says, you know, when I warn you, and I warn you, and I warn you, I want to let you know I actually do mean business. It may not happen tomorrow, may not happen next week, it may not happen next year, but I'm letting you know I'm asking for you to be a follower of mine. So that's sort of a heavy-handed view of things. So King Jehoram then dies of some sort of a bowel disease, and then his son Ahaziah becomes king, thus the crown on King Ahaziah's little name. And so he becomes king. King Ahaziah does not live very long because he's traveling, goes, and Jehu comes and kills King Ahaziah. So King Ahaziah is dead now too. So that leaves no king in the land. But we still have Joash. Now Joash is like like a baby. He's an infant at this time. And so here is when Athaliah makes her move. So Queen Athaliah becomes the power-hungry person. She takes control of the nation of Judah. She is the Almighty One. And so she begins to rule, and we're going to find out some of the terrible things that she does, but she begins to rule. And what happens is she rules in such a way that Jehoiada and Jehosheba take Joash, and thus Joash moves over underneath Jehosheba and Jehoiada. Jehoshida, again, the wife of the high priest Jehoiada. This is why it just drives me, I had to read over and over and over, who are these these names, these names, why couldn't it be Sam and Dick and, you know. So anyways, these are Hebrew names. So Jehoash, Joash becomes under their care. They become his foster parents. They take him in and they rear him and I'll show you Why? that happens. So this becomes the play of the land as Athaliah becomes the power-hungry person and Joash eventually will become the king, and I'll show you why this all plays out. This is amazing. Now here's the big story. In Scripture, just sort of for the sake of teaching and just in a broader sense, there are eternal truths in God's Word that are just timeless and important for us to all know. The birth of Christ His prediction of the Old Testament, His fulfillment of the New Testament, His death upon the cross, His resurrection, all of these are eternal truths that God had predicted, prophesied, came to pass. Here's another eternal truth. Here's the big story. In fact, in almost any Scripture you go to, there is a big story of God's work in eternal, nature of it, and then there is a more specific challenge for us in a personal way. We're going to look at both of those today. So here's the big, eternal, big picture of God. God has a plan, and the promise is that Jesus will come from the line of David. That was a key, critical promise from God. It's repeated a number of times. I'll show you the the Scriptures are there for you, but I'll read in Psalm 89. It says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your seed forever and behold and build up your throne to all generations. God had said in Samuel in 2 Samuel 7:16 through 17, "David, you're going to have an eternal kingdom." And then he repeats it numerous times throughout the Old Testament, so that Jesus, in Luke chapter one, verse 31 through 33, has to come from the line of David. Jesus will not be a legitimate prospect for kingship unless he's from the line of David. This is the promise of God. Here's the problem. Joash. Athaliah makes her move, becomes queen. Again, remember, Jehoram is dead, bowel disease. Ahaziah is murdered. So Athaliah takes that little vacuum of power, becomes the prominent queen, and she wants to rule. But what happens is that Joash's life now is in trouble because she doesn't want anybody to threaten her power base. Unlike here in a democracy, we revolt people in and out every four years in the presidency. In those days, if you didn't want someone to take over your kingship, you kill them. That's the way it was done. And so she doesn't want Joash to come. But here's the thing. Athaliah kills every son and every grandson of her children. Ahaziah was her son. Ahaziah has much of children. Joash is one of those children. So Queen Athaliah kills all her grandchildren. Can you imagine that? How wicked do you have to be? But that was the disregard that they had for life. And the hunger that they had for power. So Athaliah is trying to kill all of her grandchildren, but Joash is saved. Why is he saved? Because we're going to learn about Jehoiada and Jehosheba who take him in to save him in just a moment. So here's the solution: Jehoiada, the high priest, protects Joash. These Jeho- 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 Jehosheba and her husband Jehoiada are righteous people. They believe in Almighty Yahweh God. And they see Joash as the last remaining member of the line of David. If Joash dies, there is no Davidic line from David. And if there's no line from David as king, there's no Jesus. I mean, that's, that's how stark it became. So there are these moments in time of the eternal work of God where God says, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to mastermind, and I'm going to control the circumstances. Although there's a lot of wickedness of King Jehoram and King Ahaziah and Queen Athaliah, I don't like their wickedness. I'll deal with them. They are dealt with. They are crucified in their own way because of their own sins. But he says, I will control this element. So even though there's one tiny little baby by the name of Joash, he was a little baby at the time, I will preserve him, because out of Joash someday will come Jesus. That's how God eternally works. So whatever you think about whatever is going on in the world today, whatever demise you think the world might be heading for, whoever you support or however you land politically or otherwise, God is still going to fulfill his eternal plan. There's nothing that anyone can do to stop God's eternal plan. That's God's big sovereign picture in the story. But there's also another story playing out and that is the role of Jehoshiba and Jehoiada. And we learn from them these practical principles. Romans 15.4, the Old Testament was written for our practical instruction to understand how God wants us to live our lives. Here's principle number one. I need to be willing in light of God's eternal work I need to be willing to be available to share my faith with those that I may come across that need in our case, Jesus, and those, in that day, Yahweh God. Here is what happens. Going back to the story that we just shared, here are the text In 2 Chronicles 22, 10 through 12, it reads this way. Now, when Athaliah, again, the queen, former wife of King Jehoram, former mother of King Ahaziah, she becomes queen. That's why I want you to understand she is queen over this rule and that is taking place. Her daughter Jehoshiba, Rebels against Athaliah by keeping Joash. That's who we're talking about. Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, who died, saw that her son was dead, she rose and destroyed all the royal offspring of the house of Judah. Every child, every grandchild that she might have borne herself were killed by her or her people that she put out there. But Jehoshiba... There's another spelling of it. There's various spellings of some of these names that makes it even more complicated. Thank you very much. But Jehoshiba, the king's daughter, remember she's married to Jehoiada, the high priest. The king's daughter took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, the grandchild of Athaliah, who stole him from among the king's sons, who were being put to death, and placed him in a nurse, and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada. Here we get see even the writer of this text. Want us don't don't forget who's who now. For she was the sister of Ahaziah. Again, don't forget the line, the lineage, uh, uh, line, line of King Jehoram hid him from Athaliah, so that she would not put him to death. He was hidden with them in the house of God six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. That's interesting. Here's the application. Here's why it's good to know these things. Application is this. I need to be willing, like Jehosheba and Jehoiada, I need to be willing to share my faith and to reach out to those that may seem very displaced or lost in the will of God. For example, even if the circumstances are impossible and long, even though it may be inconvenient and risky at times. Now remember this. Athaliah, I mean, they've just seen a bloodbath go on. They've seen siblings and children being slaughtered by Queen Athaliah. Jehosheba puts her life on the line to secure away Joash like Moses was in his early days. She risks her life and then for seven years holds Joash in security, thinking that at any given moment, Queen Athaliah might have a spy that discovers Joash, the little child, and Athaliah would have the power to cut off the head of her own daughter. Jehoshiba, and her son-in-law, the high priest, Jehoiada. This is an amazing story of commitment. Why does God tell us these stories? To highlight the bravery and the courage of those who are willing to step out, out of our comfort zone, out of the convenience of life, out of those realms in which we want to sort of lethargically move on to the future, to show us and point to us people who are shining examples of reaching out to those that are otherwise going to be displaced and forgotten and lost and maybe even die. It's an amazing story. So God gives us these stories as practical, specific lessons as to how he wants us to live. He wants me to live this way. The second thing that I learned about this beautiful story is that I need to partner with others to preserve and pass on our faith. Look what Jehoiada is in 2 Chronicles 23. I love this guy, this high priest. It's good to see righteous people in the midst of such evil that's going on. And it says in 2 Chronicles 23 and now the seventh year, Jehoiada, the high priest, husband of Jehosheba, sort of a foster dad of Joash, really his uncle. He strengthened Himself, and He took captains of hundreds, and Azariah, the son of Jerom, Ishmael, the son of Johanan, Azariah, the son of Obed, Maaseah, the son of Eradiah, and Elashaphat, the son of Zechariah. And they entered into the covenant with him, and they went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the heads of the fathers, the household of Israel. And they came to Jerusalem. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. And Jehoiada said to them, Behold, the son, king's son shall reign as the Lord has spoken concerning the sons of David. Now he is announcing the king is going to live. And here is the way amazing part of the story is that he brings Joash out from the bedroom with the nurse. Seven years he's been hidden away. And suddenly, Jehoiada, the high priest, he begins to rally the armies. He's got three divisions, one close by, one outside, inside the walls, one outside the walls. Because he says, I'm going to reveal Joash as the true king. Now, Athaliah doesn't know anything about this. She's merely going her way, ruling with all the wickedness of her own evil heart, with no guilt of conscience for killing her own grandchildren. That is her rule. And then Jehoiada says, you know, about age seven, Joash, get ready. You're going to become king. So he's positioning all these captains and all these military to be the security guard for Joash because he knows Athaliah wants to kill this little guy. This little seven year old. She's thinking nothing of killing him. So he positions all these people, partners in this ministry, a covenant that is made with one another. And then he brings Joash out of the room. He anoints Joash as king. He places the crown on Joash's head. And when all these people see this, they begin to cheer. There's a party, there's a feast. They're excited there's actually somebody that's been remaining as the true line of David who should be truly the king of the land. Even though he's seven, at least the line of David continues. Now Athaliah, she's laying around thinking up terrible things to do and whatever wicked queens think about doing. And then she hears hears this noise. She hears a party going on. She hears people cheering. I don't know what she's thinking. She, she may be thinking, "Oh, I bet they're going to throw me a party." She's so self-absorbed. So she comes out, and then she sees Jehoiada, her son-in-law, standing with Joash, anointing him as king, presents him to the people of Judah. Here is your king. She sees this, and what she do? She yells, "Treason! Treason!" That's what she yells to him. You can read it in the text. And nobody pays attention to her. They dismiss her. You're, you're yesterday's news. And the Jehoiada puts out an order to all these military that he's got surrounding Joash, take her. But don't kill her in the temple courtyard. We don't want the blood. We don't want the stain. It's against the law to do that. So they... The guardsman takes Athaliah, takes her out to the horse gate, and kills her. That's how you dealt with people. <laughs> you don't, if you don't like someone, you kill them. I don't know. That's why the Middle East, why it's so bloodied over there, why our head's getting cut off. It's been that way for thousands of years. And so they kill Athaliah, and King Joash is now installed as king. He's seven years old. You know, what's a seven-year-old thinking about? When do I get my first bicycle? You know, so obviously Jehoshiba and Jehoiada then have a calling. Their calling has been to take this little forgotten, overlooked victim of abusive parents and bring that child into under their care for them to teach him, to nurture him, and what's important. And what is the outcome of that? Jehoshiba and Jehoiada, as essentially aunt and uncle, but also foster parents, began to teach him these things, to focus on what is important to God. This is so critical. So a little seven-year-old grows up under their tutelage, And they began to train him and teach him. And and I put on the the outline, and you'll see some of them that are listed there. But notice some of the things that are passed on. And this is what is so important for you and me. When we have the opportunity to reach out to those who are displaced, to foster child, to just love and care for those that maybe come within our realm, to teach in a class, teach in a Sunday school class to mentor and nurture those who need Jesus Christ. These are some of the things that were being taught by Jehoiada and Jehoshabe. That's why these things are important. They're practical lessons. In verse 16, of 2 Chronicles 23, it says, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and all the people of the king that they would be the Lord's people. We need to pass on what it means to be the Lord's people. This is the way we live our lives, the values. In verse 17 it says, And all the people went to the house of Baal and tore it down, and they broke in pieces his altars and his images and killed Matan. They killed the priest. You know, at least today when you don't like your pastor, you fire him. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't a priest in those days. They killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. One of the things they passed on to little jo- Joash is you need to get rid of sin. Get rid of the Baals. Purify. Purify this kingdom for your sake. Verse 19, or actually verse 18, Moreover, Jehoiada placed the offices of the house of the Lord under the authority of the Levitical priest whom David had assigned over the house of the Lord. You begin to install and put in place godly authority. You, you pour into the child that you want to rear, what it means to be under the spiritual authority of godly people that want to watch out for you, care for you. In a church, it's elders, it's pastors, it's godly leaders of all kinds that we begin to show the structure of how God is designed to not go it alone, but under the authority and the context of a community of people. That's what he's teaching little Joash. These are key principles that are being passed on. And it says, and they offered burnt offerings to the Lord as it was written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and singing according to the order of David. They passed on to little Joash, not only should you have a structure of godly leadership under which you, through which you can serve God, all Yahweh, but you should be a person or a man of worship, a woman of worship, as the case might be. They rejoiced, and they had feasts, and they had altars, and they would sacrifice those. in Jehoiada and Jehoshiba saying, Joash, this is critical for you in your growing up years, that you understand the priority and the premise of all that God desires for you. They passed on the heavy, important priorities of what it means to be the Lord's people. And it goes on to say these things in verse 19. So he stationed the gatekeepers of the house of the Lord so that no one would enter who was in any way unclean. Purity and holiness, Joash. And he took the captains of the hundreds and the nobles and the rulers of the people and all the people of the land and brought the king down from the house of the Lord and came through the upper gate of the house and they placed the king upon the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced and the city was quiet For they had put Athaliah to death with a sword. They rejoiced over her death. They rejoiced over a new king. What God is saying to us is that we pass on what is extremely important to Him. Other things, live faithfully in your community. Look for, uh, and I don't have time to go into it, but in the next chapter, He begins to restore the temple. He takes a tax from the people. He puts a bucket outside the temple, cuts a hole in it. He says, give all your extra for the restoration of the temple. And they had so much money, it was overflowing with money. King Joash, this little guy that grew up in the tutelage of Jehoshiba and Jehoiada, knew the value of stewardship, financial stewardship. And he was committed to it, and he challenged his people that we need to restore the temple for the worship of Almighty Yahweh God. And they poured their hearts and lives into this young guy. So that stewardship, financial stewardship was part of his plan. And Jehoash even challenged Jeho- Jeho- Jehoiada, his stepfather, if you will, his foster parent, his uncle, get with it. Get the job done. And so they began to restore the temple. These are so important. I just want to say this. I want to encourage us because I can get lost onto the trivia Sometimes when we want to pass on our faith, we get lost in the weeds. I just review it in my mind over the many years I've been doing what I'm doing today and over the years and the weekdays as well. Just thinking about some of the problems that people have come up with, that they were burdened about their children with. Way back I remember a woman came to me and says, you need to do something about my son. I said, oh, what's the problem with him? He sits in his room and he listens to the radio. Oh, is that bad? Yeah, but he does it with really long hair. I don't want him to have long hair. So would you come and tell my son to cut his hair? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just not a hairdresser. I thought, wow, is that, if that's all you have to worry about, you've got it made. I've had others that come to me and complain and want to leave the church because in previous churches, you're all really good as the previous churches that I had that are really (laughs) No, they're all good. But a man wanted to leave the church, and his children weren't walking with the Lord, and he left in an angry way. And the reason he left in an angry way is because he got rid of the pews and put chairs in the the worship place. Is that? That is what you want your children to stumble over? That's the kind of attitude you want your children to see? That is a priority of God, what the seat looks like? We cared about what the seats looked like. They wouldn't be pink. You know, we'd have another color. So we just don't care. As long as they're comfortable. But you don't have a headrest, so you fall asleep. We don't want that. But we shouldn't get we shouldn't get caught up in some of the trivia. We've even had people leave over things like the bylaws. The bylaws. I can't find anything in Scripture about bylaws. Orderliness, absolutely. But bylaws, that's what you're going to get upset about? It's so frustrating that there are those that raise to a level of prominence, and I can't fellowship with you if that's how you think about pews and bylaws and length of hair. These that I just read from 2 Chronicles 23 and 24, that's worth fighting over. That's worth giving your life for. That's an investment for forever. When we pass on our faith to our children, let those be the things you think about and emphasize and model the most. Model stewardship. Model the priority of worship. Model the reverence to the holiness of the community of God, the Lord's people. Model the sense of Submission to the godly leadership that God has put in place. Assuming they're godly and living biblically true lives. Model that. Pass it on. Let those be the hallmark of what we give to the generations that follow us. Now here's the heartbreak. Here's where it's going to identify with some of you. You've done those things. And it's heartbreaking. And, And my heart goes out for you. And we pray for you because you will have children that happens this way. And here's the, it's so disappointing, but God includes this chapter of Joash's life as well. Here's what happens sometimes. Be prepared for disappointments because as hard as you work and as hard as Jehoiada worked, it doesn't always work out. Notice in 2 Chronicles 24, 15, Turning the page in my Bible, in 2 Chronicles twenty four fifteen, it says this. This is so sad. Now, when Jehoiada reached a ripe old age, you know what a ripe old age is to God? 130 years old. So unless you're 130 years old, you are young. <laughs> Enjoy your youth. Now, when Jehoiada reached a ripe old age, he died and he was 130 years old at his death. Man, 130 years old. Can't, I can't imagine. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done well in Israel unto God and his people. Wouldn't you love to have somebody say that about the day you die when you're 130? He did well for God and his people. And here is where it's heartbreaking. But after the death of Jehoiada... The officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king, King Joash, the little guy that grew up to be king, mentored by Jehosheba and Joida. These officials of Judah came to King Joash, and the king listened to them. And here's this. Is, this is so hard. And they abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of the fathers, and served the Asherim idolatry. So the wrath of came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt, and yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. Though they testified against them, they would not listen. Here's, here's how bad it got. King Joash listens to this new peer group that comes along and says, you know, Asherim are not all that bad. Let's, let's compromise. Abandon Yahweh God and Take on what the world is doing. Let's let's do it the way the other countries. Let's live like the other countries live. We don't need to have this exclusive thing where we think our only one way to heaven is through Yahweh God. There's many ways to God. So the Asherim are the way. So God sends Zechariah to King Joash. Who's Zechariah? Zechariah is Joash's brother in essence. You see, Jehosheba and Jehoiada had children. One of their children was Zechariah. So, Joash, foster child, if you will, nephew, comes and grows up with Zechariah. Zechariah becomes a prophet of God, a godly, sainted man. Zechariah goes to Joash and says, Joash, stop. Come back. This is not how you were raised. These are not the values that mom and dad taught us. Come back. What does King Joash do? What they always did when they didn't like what they heard. He killed them. He killed his own brother, a guy he grew up with. And then it says, and he disregarded all the good that Jehoiada had done for him. He turned his back on all that Jehoiada had done. So I just want to let us know, it doesn't solve a problem. But for those of us in this room where we have worked hard to do what this text tells us to do, we may be disappointed. And there's a question I'm going to ask God, and is this. God, when we pray for these lost souls of our family members that do what King Joash did and turned his back, God, Why didn't you come and call them back? Why didn't you restore them? When will you restore them? I don't know why God does what he does. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, Lord, there's a lot of people we prayed for. There's a lot of moms and dads at Calvary Church who are heartbroken over the spiritual condition of their children and grandchildren. And we prayed for them. We witnessed to them. They were reared well. So why? Why did King Joash and why do these others not come back? And I'm telling you, I don't know why. I have no idea. But that God keeps us on our knees, expectantly trusting him, that in the midst of even that disappointment like King Joash, we still say, God, but you alone are the one we serve. So let me wrap up. Therefore, If you're passing on your faith to those and maybe they're not walking with Jesus now, don't give up. Be faithful in passing on your faith regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the results. Don't let them take you out spiritually of saying, God, but you are still my God. Keep trusting him. And secondly, if you're one who has received all this good from parents and grandparents and godly teachers and leaders, then please grow f- your faith deep and wide. Let it be something that doesn't get blown away by new counselors that come around and say, you know, that was good for those days, but now we got a new way of thinking. we got new truth. Let it be your new truth, new ways, because it's the way the world is today. Times, times. Don't do the times have changed. We've got to get with the new current way of thinking. Would you grow your faith deep and mature and become part of a mentoring program here at Calvary Church or wherever you can find it to deepen and grow that faith? Now, I'd like to illustrate how practical this can become. We have a family here in our church that is reflecting at least one way. I'm going to invite them to come on up here, Mark. and. Bronwyn and Mark to come on up here for just a sec. I'd like for you to hear what Mark and Bronwyn have been doing in investing in the lives of those that otherwise might be overlooked. And so I'm going to let them tell a little bit about their story. But uh, here's Mark Anthony. Good to have Mark with us. And Bronwyn uh, Booker and Mark Booker as well. And you know Mark and Bronwyn, this Mark. we got two Marks, so it's just like the Old Testament. Just still, the names are confusing. To me. So, but we're glad to have you all up here. So Bronwyn, tell us, uh, how did you learn about safe families? Uh, several years ago, Calvary had a ministry fair out on the patio uh, with tables of various ministries
1: that are offered here. And we, Mark and I, told our children to go out and find a ministry that they would like to be a part of as a family for us to serve in. Um, All five of our children came back and said, safe families for children. Uh, We asked them why, and our youngest, Emma, summed it up best and said, if I needed help, I'd want someone to help me.
0: All right. And the beautiful thing about safe families is where there are families that have children at some sort of risk for one reason or another, where moms and dads are having some sort of a struggle, and rather than put them into some system that is out there, governmental or otherwise... Safe families is where families come along and receive that child, whatever the age might be, like good old Mark here, and uh, provide a home for them for whatever length of time might be required. It becomes that way to receive someone and essentially do what Jehoiada and Jehoshiba did for Joash. It becomes that safe family for them. And so, Mark, tell us how uh, this has impacted your family.
1: Um, I think for all of us, it's made us realize how many hurting people there are out there and how many opportunities there are literally right in your own home to show the love of God. And, uh, you know, you get involved with safe families, they show up on your doorstep, sort of. But you don't have to go overseas to, to, to help. There's opportunities right here.
0: Yeah, and we're so thankful that you guys have done that. And uh, how long, Mark, have you been staying with the Bookers here so far?
1: Um, for like almost a year.
0: For a um, year? Yes. All right, that's a good commitment. Here's a little video that gives you a little bit about Mark Anthony's uh, story and his situation. Let's take a look.
1: Um, my name is Mark Anthony. I'm 18 years old. So in my neighborhood, there was like a lot of drugs and AKA and game members, and so like a typical day would be like my friends and family um, trying to go to school, and every time we always bumped into um, the game members. And there was one day that my um, my sister was sitting outside with her boyfriend, and um, I was right there too. they, they drive by, and cause she got this close to getting hit. They're trying to aim at my cousin, that he was a, uh, he's a he was a part of game members. For my mom, it was really hard to like. Um, to, like, take care of all of us since we we're six of us, we just moved shelter to shelter. So, like, I was, like, leaving my mom at the shelter, and my mom didn't have um, enough money to, like, support me and move out. So um, she told me that I couldn't go with her to go live. So, like, I was making a lot of, like, um, phone calls to different type of, like, um, housing, and I couldn't even do my homework because of all the thinking that I had to do about like, where to live. I felt alone and I felt like no one was there for me. So one day, um, my social worker gave me a, a number that she knew that I, would, what I was going through. I just got the number, just threw in my backpack without even like caring. I, out of nowhere, I just had like faith again uh, that I should like try to call. I pull my number out of my backpack and say families um, answer. Something that they told me about saying family is like there's like many people volunteering and I just can't believe it how like they would give out their time and and, you know and help out like you know youth and especially since uh, you know I was 18. Being part of like the Burger family is pretty amazing because there was like one day that there was like a wedding and um, I was just sitting down on the couch and a lot of people asked me, oh, is this your house? It's really pretty. And I was like, I was like, yeah, it's, it's where I live. I didn't want to tell them just like straight out. Bronwyn and Mark invited me like out to eat with them at the table. And, and I did, I was sitting down and there was other people at the table too. And they they asked us all for our names and I said we're all family and said, yeah, he, yeah, there's my sons and kids. And, and I feel like, you know, family, you know, they felt great that, you know, that I had that experience. Having like a family that cares and and supports me is like something that I can never ask for more, you know. I would like to thank all the volunteers from State Families for volunteering their time. You know, you don't have to be 100% ready because there's um, so many kids out there that need the
0: same help as me. All right, now, great? I couldn't help but notice that Bronwyn gave you the job of slicing up the onions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. That'll bring tears to all of our eyes. But uh, I know that we're excited to have you here, Mark, part of the Calvary family. and part of the high school group, thinking about going to Albania with a high school group uh, coming up as well. And tell us a little bit about what you see in your future. What's next for you?
1: Yes, um, I'm pretty happy to be part of this church family as well as um, being able to go to Albania, having the opportunity to actually just go out there and serve the Lord. And um, I'm going to be the first one out of my whole family to graduate from a regular high school. And... And um, as well as go to college, I'm pretty excited because I already got accepted to one. I, I applied to 20, 29 colleges. It was pretty hard, you know. But I was able to actually um, strive for higher education and being able to, like, follow God. As Yes.
0: Yeah. We're with you. We want to support you in that as well. Thank you for being part of our larger family. Thank you for being part of the Booker family. Thank you, Brian, and Mark, for your sacrifice. In many ways, it maybe doesn't feel like sacrifice, but it's an investment in really giving of themselves. And the Bookers have been a great model of that over the years. I think you grew up with, in your background, your home life, it was all part of giving and reaching out to others. And so I want to pray for Mark as he continues on. And would you join with me in prayer and be prayerful of what God has for Him, that, that we have these opportunities to reach new people that God brings into our sphere of influence and really make an eternal difference in their lives. There's going to be out in the lobby a table that talks about safe families. And just as uh, uh, Bronwyn and Mark's children learned about safe families, maybe you'd learn about it. Maybe something you will want to invest in and help families out there that need this kind of love and uh, uh, centered around Jesus Christ. So let me pray for uh, for them all. Father. We come to you and thank you for uh, your blessing upon the, the uh, Mark and Bronwyn. Thank you, Lord, for their lives. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the work that you have been doing in their lives over the many years, and now especially over this last year that God, Mark Anthony, has been brought into their home to provide a safe haven, a place where Christ is preeminent, a place where just lots of fun of being a kid can be enjoyed. We're having other siblings that he can uh, co with and Lord, to be part of an educational program and to be the first in his uh, family to graduate from high school and then to pursue college as well. God, in so many dimensions, we see your hand upon Mark as you're continuing to work in and through his life. We commit Mark to you, God. May your great purposes be fulfilled in his life. May he continue to pursue all that you have for him. And Lord, of those 29 schools, open the right door that he would go to the one that would be best for him guide him on that journey, and Lord, let us have the privilege of watching your wonderful work in his life, and we commit them all to you now. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you for being up here.